so we can guilt you with the third commandment. So, no, it's kidding. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. Uh, it is your day. It is the really uh, in our calendar uh, the week before um, uh, Easter, before our celebration of the resurrection, uh, Palm Sunday or <clears throat> the Sunday of your uh, coming into Jerusalem. Uh, but Lord, every Sabbath day, every Lord's day is a um, is a remembrance of what you have done at the cross and a, uh, a looking forward to your return. And I just, I pray, Father, that you would bless this day, that you would open our hearts, that uh, the law would help us to see your goodness, and it would help us to see um, how it blesses us. And may we, um, may we, in our study of the commandments, be refreshed and see it as the royal law. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're at the third commandment, and I've, I've just kind of given uh, a couple things here. There's always a narrow interpretation of the commandment, and then there's a broad application of the commandment. And this narrow interpret, uh, meaning of the commandment really does give us the, the broad principle. It's really important to find what it is that God's trying to get across in this commandment, what's his, what's his heart, his norm. Then we have our situation, trying to bring it into our situation, and we also have the, the internal um, embracing of the commandment itself. Um, so, yeah, you can turn to Exodus 20, which are where the Ten Commandments are. And if you have the, the third commandment sheet, I think there's still some in the back back there. You can pick one of those up. Um, we will start diving into this question. So uh, chapter 20, uh, verse 7, it's a pretty short commandment. So Peter, I'm going to ask you to read that for me. Okay, uh, the narrow meaning of this text, so uh, this is not a tough one, Laura, what does this mean? Don't give me the broad, just give me the narrow, what's it tell us not to do? Alright, so don't take God's name in vain, um, we have to... We have to figure out what we mean by name. We have to figure out what we mean by vain, but uh, pretty, pretty simple, right? Um, so what, what name what name are we talking about? What's that? Okay, so I'm just asking, you know, okay, Yahweh, what'd you say? Jehovah? Are you looking for a specific name? I've always read it to be as like a general term of like the being of God. So don't take the being of God? All right, now we're getting, now you're getting into what I'm asking. So, I mean, no, I mean, is, does he just say don't use the, 
Yahweh, that, those syllables? Does it mean Jehovah? Does it mean God's being? How do you... All right, so Trinity, although it, at the, in the specific um, uh, time it was given, that situation, the Trinity wasn't fully revealed. So you would add to that, though, Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Okay. Ooh, okay, yeah, I like this. Now we're into character. That's a little bit different than being, but close to it. I think that's what Tanner was talking about. God's character. Reputation. Okay. You guys are covering it now. Anything else you want to add to that, or you feel pretty good about this? You've kind of broadened it a little bit, right? Uh, but that's all right. Okay, so maybe not Yahweh, but just God or Elohim. Okay. Anything else you want to add to it before we start talking about vain? All right, that's pretty good. What do we mean by vain? Take it in vain. Without the gravity that it deserves. Without gravity, it deserves. Huh? Yeah, so defame, degrade. Okay, anything else? In vain. Well, that's a tricky, but I'll put it down there. Can you explain that a little bit? Because when I call upon Jesus to save me, that's for my purposes. But, like, you got to get, you know. I just mean, like, like, instead of saying, I think this, say, like, God told me to tell you. Have you read Jen Wilkins' book? Which one? On the Ten Commandments? No, I haven't. Because she really talks about that. So, yeah. And I'll bring that out today. So that's actually a good, um, uh. What she's describing is when someone says, God told me, unless they have audibly heard a specific word of God to say God told me is actually using his name in vain. That's, that's Jen Wilkins' broad interpretation of this, and I, I think it has a lot of merit to it. So, Okay, yeah. Oh, yeah, so we're getting into the broad. Okay, yep, yeah, so uh, I'll try to keep it just... We want to, what does vanity mean? Meaningless, futility, um, uh, empty, meaningless, uh, empty. So it's empty. I like uh, Laura's first. It's emptying God of the, she said gravity, the, the glory of who he is. Okay, it's, it's using God in your speech in a way that empties him of his true glory. Okay, that's the narrow definition. 
Now, um, I have to think that the, the narrow application must, in some sense, actually deal with speech, and it must, in some sense, connect to these actual names of God. Has to. Right? Um, so you can't just say it's talking about the character of God and the actual use of the syllables is not important. Okay? Do you follow me on that? So in the, if you're on the plains, uh, you know, on Mount, close to Mount Sinai and, and, and um, Moses is telling you this command, you're not going to say, oh, that has nothing to do with Yahweh. Right? Uh, just don't take his character in, in vain. You, it has to have something to do with his speech. Okay? But do we not also recognize that the situation that you're in is different than the situation of the people on the plains of um, Mount Sinai right there, right there in, in the wilderness? Because, what? They were not speaking English. Were they? So we know the name Yahweh, and we know the name Elohim, and we know Jehovah. We know those words, but those are all words that we have to translate into God, right? We just say God, or we say Jesus, right? So those are actual words. If you're in Guatemala, you might know Jesus, but what would Jesus be? How would you pronounce it? Jesus, right? Uh, uh, Dios for God, right? So it's not, even though the speech and the actual sounds do matter, they, they matter contextually to where you are in the situation that you are, okay? So in our day, we say God and we say Jesus, right? And Sometimes we say Elohim or Yahweh and different things, but we, we, um, those are the names that we attach to our God. All right? Okay. And there have been some people, some traditions, even like Jehovah's Witnesses are one of them, where they want to say that just saying God is not really God, that you have to say Jehovah because that's the personal name of God. Right? But I think that misses the point. Certainly the, the actual sounds and the speech matter, but that's not all that matters. So when the Jews came up with, uh, when they saw, uh, when we say Lord, and I know I've explained this before, so I, I'm not going to go through the whole details of this, but when they, they had the word Lord, it was Y-H-V-H. Right, uh, those were the consonants, and they had, and they put the vowels in there of Adonah, which means, what's Adonah mean? Lord or Master. So they took these vowels and stuck them into here. Okay, that's what they did, um, and that's where we get either Yehovah or Yahovah. Uh, depending on some of the translations and stuff. 
But they wanted, I believe, the Jehovah's Witnesses wanted to focus too much on the sounds themselves. As if when I go down to Latin America, if somebody calls me Miguel, they've, they've missaid my name. My name's Michael. It's not Miguel. You know, but that's not what we're getting at. Are you just following me on this? I'm just trying to help you. We, we, need, to, we need to say that the sounds matter because that would be, it'd be silly to say that they didn't matter, right? But at the same time, we need to be able to put those sounds into their situation, and that situation can change uh, in different languages. Are we clear on that? All right, that's all I'm trying to, this is, you know, might seem simple, but sometimes people get so, oh, I just use God, that's a general, I didn't mess with Yahweh. Well, there's something incredibly wrong about that, right? Um, okay. The Jewish solution to not taking the Lord's name in vain was to just never speak the sounds. And that they thought they could not break the commandment if they just never used the sounds. And that's foolishness. Right? Uh, it's not the avoidance of the name, but it is the way that you use the name. So, um, <laughs> you think, human success. <laughs> so let's take the word Jesus. How is it used in our society? In un- among, well, hopefully among unbelievers, could be used among us as too. Well, let's start with the, the furthest. We know that this is sin. And we'll bring it back into, uh, hopefully, a principle that maybe we all use it wrongly. (laughs) Right, you can use it as a curse word. Expression of uh, angst. Right? Um, we can put the word God in here. How do we do? How do we use that? Okay, Sam. Uh, when it says, "Thou shalt not take the name of Lord, uh, thy God in vain," Lord mm-hmm. is all caps. That's that's Yahweh. Right. And so, but it made me th- stop and think for a minute about nobility. Mm-hmm. And in vain, you could switch with without dignity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that kind of covers a, lot. a large array of everything. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. so, how do people use the name of God? They use it to curse, GD. Right? Wow. Just like a, like a, like a wow. Okay. Okay, so the, it can be an appeal to 
God in a in uh, maybe truthfulness or uh... so there's there's like. No, that's great. So, so you're you're looking here. It sounds flippant or trite. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay, so it's appeal to God's truthfulness, or connected to that as an oath. Mm-hmm. Yep, appealing to him in an oath. When you say you swear to God, is it is it always wrong to swear to God? But what do you, what what has to be the attitude of your heart when you do that? You actually believe that God will hold you accountable to your oath. When, I took that oath at least twice in my life. Once when I got married, and church membership. I took those oaths uh, both times. Courtroom. Never been called in to do that. That'd be, yeah, uh-huh. Um, so, uh, using the name of God in a flippant manner. Do we do that sometimes in our prayers? Have you ever prayed and said, God, da, 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 and you didn't really even pause to reflect that you actually are talking to God who's hearing you? Right? Now, there's a fine line in this, right? Because we're, there should be a familiarity. We use the name of other people uh, in conversation, and it's not just being flippant with it by doing that. Um, but I think it comes down to, it's a remembrance that God and Jesus are real persons. And they are deserving of respect and dignity. Um, just as if Jesus walked in here in this room today and we just would treat him a certain way, hopefully, as his followers. And so uh, trying to use the, the name Jesus and the name God, and I, you know, I think Mary's right in the Trinity, even the Holy Spirit, uh, in a way that... that uh, has dignity. How about this? This is, I'm stretching it a little bit. Asking God for something with an unbelieving heart. Like asking him, oh, God, I want you to do this, when you really in your heart are going, I don't believe it's going to happen. Well, that's, no, I mean, that's, but see, at least that's honest. Right? 
Sometimes we might do the show of the prayer so we look good among other people without actually in your heart engaging God. So one of the most refreshing things about working with young people is uh, they really struggle to pray. And as such, I mean publicly, and as such, their prayers are usually some of the most sincere and honest. It's always fun to just hear some of the prayers that they pray um, um, because they're just trying to figure this out and they're talking to God. And it just, as we have grown used to praying, it's easier to just pray the words without actually the meaning inside of them. And Jesus says, it's not by the, the number of your words or the eloquence of your words that matters, right? It's, it's that you actually know you're talking to me. So... That's right, right. Yes. That's good. So I think we've gotten a pretty good, a pretty good idea of this. Let's look at the, conf- the catechism and see what they have to say and see if it might even stretch us a bit more, right? <clears throat> So we start out with the, the, uh, the commandment requires, um, Jim, you have that? You want to read that for me? Jim Pate? Number, question uh, 112, if you have the third commandment. All the way down to 113? Yes, yes. What is required in the third commandment? The third re- commandment requires that the name of God his titles, attributes, ordinances, the words, sacraments, prayer, oaths, vows, lots, his works, and whatsoever else there is whereby he makes himself known, be holily and reverently used in thought, meditation, word, and writing, by an holy profession and answerable conversation to the glory of God and the good of ourselves and others. Now, just so you know, when the the writers wrote conversation, they're talking about actions. They're talking about lifestyle. So it starts out by a holy profession, that's what you speak, and an answerable conversation, that means how you live. It's just old English in that. But how do they broaden, how do they broaden the command? Because it's no longer just God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, right? All right, now we go into his attributes. Oh, now, so, so you could say, holy crap, right? And, and in their situation, what the catechism is saying, you've taken an attribute of God's holiness and you have applied it in a way that is not legitimate, right? It's emptying it of its... So just using the word holy, think of all the different ways we use the word holy. Holy cow, yeah. Now, <laughs> now we're, gonna, we're talking about this. We're, right now we're just broadening it and let the, let the uh, authors kind of help us see that, that it's broader than we sometimes think. Um, we, what it doesn't talk about 
is there, I do think you need to still have levels of heinousness. If you don't have a level of heinousness, then, then you, you will, um, you'll just, all you'll see is just sin everywhere. <laughs> I mean, it's just all you got. So, um, uh, so you have to be careful in this, but we'll talk about that in a minute. But Okay, so all of his attributes, using his goodness in a bad way, using his righteousness, using his mercy. You know, when we talk about God's love in a way that distorts what God's love really is, you're using his character wrongly, right? I mean, so you can, when it talks about his attributes and his titles, uh, father, you know, when you, when you think about father wrongly. And then if you go down there and you see that it's not only the profession, but it's a conversation. So when I talk about God as father, and then I become a distortion of fatherhood, right? In my parenting of my kids, then somehow I am breaking this commandment. Because I'm not a perfect father. I've distorted that in some way. I'm, I'm just, this is what they're talking about. Um, this is what it requires, they're saying. His ordinances, treating, what are some of the ordinances of God? Communion, okay? Although he does have another section that says sacraments, so... I think ordinances here means the duties God commands. Treating any of his commandments wrongly. And so what they would say, God commands to you worship. All right, that's his command to worship. So when you come to worship and you treat worship as less than it is, you're taking God's name in vain. So think about like coming into worship and you're like, ah, oh, I had to come to worship. Here I am. Yeah, I'll go through the motions. I'll just kind of sing that hymn. And he's up there praying, but I'll do something else over here. And you know, in these days, ah, yeah, I'm bored. Let me just look on my phone for a little bit or, you know, do a search here. Whatever that is, it's, you're treating worship, which is God's command, as if it's not as significant as it really is. So when we, you know, we have a call to worship, the formality of formal worship, we have that call to worship. It's an invitation of God to come in, but it's also a statement to you what you're going to do in the next section of time is worship of the holy God, right? And you're supposed to treat that worship in a holy way because that's what it is. <clears throat> the command is to love God, but then to love your neighbor. And so uh, the, the, the worship extends into loving each other if we want to obey the commandment. Amen. Yeah, I mean, it's okay. I hope all of us are just going, oh, I thought I kept this commandment. 
And now you're going, oh, maybe I don't keep this commandment. Maybe I break it all the time. Which, you know, by the way, you would want to be, knowing that you don't always approach God appropriately, wouldn't you want to come to worship with a broken and humble heart? Acknowledging your sinfulness, coming, we were going to come to communion today, acknowledging that you don't worship him like you should, acknowledging that you treat him less than he is. I mean, that's just, I mean, we do that on a regular basis. So acknowledging that in a humble way has to be a part of worship. Singing the songs, yeah, without actually, what are they saying and, and engaging your mind? Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's an excellent, and I would also say uh, this comes into when God evaluates us. He evaluates us as individuals. So, so, um, but no, but he knows, he knows who you are, Shannon. And, and uh, I don't know, I'm just going to throw out, you know, Sam, okay? Let's just say Sam his mind doesn't wander as much. It doesn't, it doesn't take him as much work, right? I mean, he's, he's saying, yes, it does. <laughs> but anyway, some people, uh, it doesn't, it's not as hard to rein in those stray thoughts. But some of us are like squirrels, right? We're like, you like this, you know, the next thing. And so um, I believe that when God evaluates you, he takes you into consideration. So I might be sitting there thinking, uh, oh, I'm so focused, or Sam's sitting in the front. He says, I'm, I'm so focused. I can't believe Shannon's over there wandering all around, not paying attention. I spy pay attention to the sermon. But it, you, we have to take into consideration, it might be a lot more difficult for you, Shannon, than it is for Sam. And God takes, I just tell you that because God understands each one of you, and he doesn't just say, oh, any stray thought, dead. <laughs> you know, he's, he's thinking about what's going on inside of you, and he knows the struggle that you're experiencing in this, but it's still, you have to get this norm, and you, I think it's right to broaden it and to see um, how vast it really is. Can you imagine being in glory, worshiping Jesus or the Trinity, and then being distracted by something else in glory? No. So, so it, this is good. So, um, his ordinances, what else do we see here? His word. Um, this was convicting to me when Dr. Kick said, as a preacher, do you give as much attention in worship to God's word as you do to your words? Do you understand what, he's, what he asked us as preachers? You guys give a lot of attention to what you say, and you want everybody to pay, pay attention to you, but are you treating God's word with the same intent and devotion and how you read the word are you communicating to your flock that that the word is just as important if not even more important than anything that'll come out of your lips from your mind 
That's an excellent. Are you reading the word like God would want you to? Um, do you treat, this is where the whole um, uh, critical uh, scholarship really was bogus. And I'm glad that the, that the church has kind of left that behind. It's gotten other, other problems today. But um, for a long time, they said, we're going to treat the Bible like any other ancient textbook. No, you don't. This is God's word. And you don't treat it the same way. It's interesting, if you're in a Quran, if you're in Muslim, and you, you hear them talk about how they treat the Quran, um, how do they take the idea of, of not treating in a vain way the Quran? This is the Bible, but a, a Quran. What do they say about it? You don't translate it? Or if you do, it's not the, it's not the Quran. You do not put it on the floor. In fact, if you're ever in a Muslim situation, you're probably not good to even put your Bible on the floor. Um, huh? Right. Um, so there is a, but it goes back to the same statement about the, the, the um, pronouncement of the sounds that we talked about. Is God foremost concerned about the, the, the pages themselves? So what do you find a lot of times in Christian Bibles? They'll write little notes in it. Sometimes they'll underline things. It's a very much used and embraced piece of Scripture. I don't think that, if you're done, done correctly, is, is breaking the heart of the commandment, the spirit of this. But to a, but to a Muslim, it would be. You just wouldn't ever... Now, if you're doodling in your Bible, that would be, you know, one thing. So, um, but treating the word with, with uh, gravity, I like that word, gravity. Uh, sacraments, Clark talked about those, the sacraments. <clears throat> now, this is, this is uh, maybe stepping on toes. We believe the sacraments are means of grace. Do you guys understand what I mean by means of grace? So, um, grace is help. The light is shining. So you're, you're like the light bulb, and you need, you need something to help you shine. And so, what makes the light bulb shine? Electricity, right? So, electricity is the grace. It's the Holy Spirit working in your life. What are the conduits or the means by which that electricity gets to that bulb? Wires. So, the wires themselves don't produce the electricity, right? But they are the means by which God brings electricity to the light. Okay, so what are the means? We look at the sacraments and and the word of God and prayer as the means by which God sends his grace to help us. Okay. 
So if you treat the sacrament... as if it is not that important and not that helpful to you in your spiritual life, you have treated it with vanity in a meaningless way. Right Now, that's not saying we, we all get out of the sacrament everything we want, but it is a sense of how do you view the sacrament? Is it truly a means of grace? And when you treat it poorly or in an empty way, um, you're taking his name in vain. All right, we're not going to talk about oaths and vows necessarily, unless you have specific questions. Um, Lots, that's going to the early church casting lots, or um, the urm and thummim of the high priest. But then he says his works... What are God's works? This, this is going to be a fun one. The creation, right? How about you? Are you part of that creation? Young people especially hear this. When you belittle who you are, you are taking God's name in vain. Do you understand how that works? You are, you are Psalm 139 fearfully and wonderfully made. Yes, still a sinner. Yes, imperfect in this life. But you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And so if you treat yourself with disrespect, you are breaking this commandment. And that's not to be heavy-handed over you. It's, it's just to help you understand, oh, I do have value because God gives me value. And I need to treat myself accordingly. How about how you treat other people? Right? Do you treat other people with kindness and dignity and respect? Even if they're your enemy. And then, there's more works than that, obviously. You could treat, you could treat marriage with disrespect. That's the institution of marriage. You could treat... Um, fatherhood with disrespect. You could treat um, uh, animals with disrespect, you know, giving them the improper. I mean, you could broaden this out. Any of God's works, treating in a way that is not uh, in agreement with what God has um, done to create them in his works. Providence. Providence would be a part of this too. Yes. So what what does it say? Do everything without grumbling and complaining. So what are you doing? You're taking God's providence and you're saying that it's not wise or good and therefore you're grumbling and complaining. So that's taking his name in vain. Then, as if if we're not beat up enough, right? I mean, as if this isn't it. Then he says, okay, it's whatever else. If God makes himself known by it, it's there, okay? And then he goes on and he says, in our thoughts. How many of us have like maintained control and not like spoken the actual words, but in in your thoughts have have like uh, cursed God? (laughs) In your meditations. 
And then, of course, in your words and your writings. Let's, let's go on to the, the sins forbidden. Um, let's have Benji, we want to read that for me? What are the sins forbidden in the third commandment? The sins forbidden in the third commandment are the not using of God's name as is required and the abuse of it in an ignorant, vain, irreverent, profane, superstitious, or wicked mentioning, or otherwise using his titles, attributes, ordinances, or works by blasphemy, perjury, all sinful cursings, oaths, vows, and lots, violating of our oaths and vows, if lawful, and fulfilling them, if of, if of things unlawful, murmuring and quarreling at, curious prying into and misapplying of God's decrees and providences, misinterpreting, misapplying, or any way perverting the word or any part of it, to profane jests, curious or unprofitable questions, vain janglings, or the maintaining of false doctrines, abusing it, the creatures or anything contained under the name of God, to charms or sinful lust and practices, the maligning, scorning, reviling, or any wise opposing of God's truth, grace, and ways, making profession of religion in hypocrisy or for sinister ends, being ashamed of it or ashamed to it by unconformable, unwise, unfruitful, and offensive walking or backsliding from it. Whew. <laughs> so a couple things. I love the way it starts. The first thing you could do in breaking this commandment is to not use the name of God rightly. Isn't that amazing? Like, you know, opposite of what the Jews did and just never wanting to speak the name of Yahweh, God wants you to use his name. Jesus wants you to call upon his name, right? That's, that's what we're supposed to do. I think that's very helpful to us. Um, most of the stuff that we've talked about already is in here. Um, superstition. Um, I think you could have a cross as a reminder to you but if you felt like the cross was a, some kind of amulet that itself protected you, I think that's a misuse of God's name, right? Um, I like the idea that um, if you have taken a rightful vow or oath, you're wrong, you're breaking this commandment if you don't fulfill it, but if you have taken a wrong or sinful vow, you're breaking this commandment to keep it. Now, it's not just a vow that's difficult for you to keep. Scripture wants you to keep vows to your own detriment and sacrifice. But to, to make a sinful vow, uh, if I said to another woman, I vow I, w- I will love you the rest of your life. Well, that's a sinful vow, and I should break that vow and repent of it as soon as possible, right? Um, okay, so, 
And then, um, I like the talking about the providence of God and his decrees, the curious prying into of God's providence. It's not wrong to, in some sense, want to know what God's doing, but what would, what would cross over the line and make it curious prying into? Ouija board, yeah, yeah. Trying to figure out when Jesus is going to come back. Oh boy, all the prophecy conferences, you know, could be applied to there. There you go. God's more interested in that you trust Him and obey His revealed Word than He is that you just know everything. So that would be living by sight rather than by faith, right? Horoscope. Now, here's, here's one, misinterpreting the word of God. That's a preacher, right? He holds us to higher standard, um, misapplying it. How about vain janglings? <laughs> Anybody want to take a stab at that? There you go. Ramblings in prayer. Now, in, remember we talked about prayer has this balance between uh, extemporaneous and uh, written or prepared, right? So if, you, if, you're just, if you're just speaking, you could go to the realm of just rambling, Right, very less often would you do this in private prayer, you know, because God, he, you know, if you're having a personal conversation, I don't think you're just gonna vain jangling, just thought, you know, da 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 da. But I do think in in public prayer this can happen sometimes. Uh, I'll never forget when I was in uh, um, when I was in Yellowstone, and I'm praying with some guys in my Bible study, and and one guy <laughs> looked at me and he says did you miss your quiet time today? <laughs> and I said, what do you mean? He says, so much of those prayers should have been put in your, in your quiet time and not necessarily in this public prayer. And I thought, hmm, that was a good, <laughs> a good statement. So, but um, the written prayer, a lot of times can have deep thoughtfulness put into it. Uh, as, but you have the potential of then just reading, not, not really caring and acting like you're talking to God. But, but you can see the balance between both of these, right? You don't want to just run to one way or the other. Um, you can have dangers in both of them. Mm-hmm. Right now, okay. And again, I would say there can be a, uh, the repetitious dinner blessing um, make me make us forever mindful that everything that we have we, we receive from you or something like that, you know, bless this food to the nourishment of our bodies. So that could become that. It's not necessarily wrong to do that, but you have to be cautious that you're not just uh, going through the motions and ignoring that God's even there. Um, 
It's very helpful to especially young people as you're training them to give them something to pray, you know, so that's good. So I wouldn't condemn it, but again, on both of these sides, you, vain janglings is a possibility in your prayers, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Right, so, so um, the written prayer has its problems, and the ext- extemporaneous can have its problems. Uh, so they both can. So we just have to be, be cautious on both of those, right, and understand the, the norm... Right? This is the norm. The norm is don't use a written prayer or, or don't speak extemporaneously. The norm is don't take the Lord's name in vain. You see how the principle is good. If you just follow the principle, then you can start working out the situation in your life. So, but if you get the principle wrong or you think that something else, like, oh, written prayers are just bad, that's not the right principle, right? It might be an application of the principle in some situations, but not in every one. Go ahead, Nathan. So I was thinking about the word vain, and would it be in this category for people who, when they pray, they're more concerned about impressing the people around them mm-hmm. than they are actually praying to God? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and kids get this better than anyone. That's why I think they struggle to pray in public, because they know they're thinking about every, what everyone's thinking, and so it's really hard for them. Uh, yes. A disciplined heart. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can do so much without our hearts being involved. And, you know, in the Old Testament, so frequently, you know, you, your heart is far from me. You're going your own way. Um you know, and so, I mean, we've just got to keep coming back to, I'm talking to the Lord, and I can't worry about, mm-hmm. you know, those around me. Yes. Uh, and, Lee, since you have the microphone, and I want to make sure I get through this, let's, why don't you read question 114 there for us. What reasons are annexed to the third commandment? The reasons annexed to the third commandment in these words, the Lord thy God, and for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain, are because he is the Lord and our God. Therefore his name is not to be profaned or any way abused by us, especially because he will be so far from acquitting and sparing the transgressors of this commandment as that he will not suffer them to escape his righteous judgment, albeit many such escape the censures and punishments of men. So things I want to say here. Levels of heinousness, okay? Not every one of these breakings is absolutely as evil as other breakings, okay? So there's levels of heinousness. Um, But what this is saying even the, the, the simplest is enough to condemn you to hell because of who God is. 
It's, that's, that's, he is so holy that to treat him unholy is worthy of damnation. Okay? So that's, that's he, he doesn't just say, ah, uh, yeah, I guess my standard's a little high. Don't worry about it. He doesn't say that. Okay? But remember what I said at the beginning of this, that when, given justification, given that you bear the righteousness of Jesus Christ, it's been imputed to you, God does become a bit of a relativist in sanctification. And I think we should also give people the benefit of the doubt. So let's say Barry is praying, and every two seconds, Barry uses the name of God as if it's just it's coming off as, you know. I should not immediately, because after this class, it tells me that sin. Oh, gosh, I can't believe. Barry, quit saying that. All right? Now, Barry might be, he might work on that. And I don't, I've not heard Barry pray too much. That's why I chose him. So, um, but he might be thinking about that, and he might be working on that, but I shouldn't just assume that because he uses the name God every, you know, syllable, couple syllables, that he must, his heart must be terrible, and he must be truly under God's judgment at that moment. We don't need to treat people that way. And I think this is important. God does not treat us that way. Specifically, if Barry's just learning how to pray, this is, this is good, right? He's, he's, that's a, I want him to pray. I think God is pleased with his prayers. It's good to see the norm. It's good to see all the applications, but don't just become the judgment police and looking at people and judging them, okay? Um, if somebody says, holy cow, oh, they must hate God, right? Um, I have tried to exercise this when I'm out and playing basketball. People cuss all the time, you know, and you just, you can't, like, worry about every little thing. But if someone on a repeated basis is saying GD or G- Jesus Christ in a bad way over and over, I'll usually go to them and say, this is my God. Try to use other language if you can. And if you do that in a respectful way, they usually do. And they, you know, don't cuss as much around you. So not all the time. But I'm just saying, you still treat people with respect. You don't immediately assume that their hearts are in the bad place. Um, we all use our language and the way that we do things in, with imperfection. So we're showing you the breadth of the command, not so you can make every crime just something to condemn people, uh, but so that you can see all the ways it can apply to you. Questions or comments on that? Because I think that's very important. And, and, and some grown-ups, but um, just in their cool language, say, oh, God, mm-hmm. and then a comment. And it was like they weren't even aware mm-hmm. of what they were saying, but it's offensive. Mm-hmm. If you love the Lord, it, it's not a good spacer in a conversation. I'd rather hear um mm-hmm. than, mm-hmm. you know, than, than that. Because your language matters. Now, here's, take it back to Christian. He's got a, a question. But here, on the, on the level, if somebody texts me this, OMG, technically, yes, that could be a misuse of the name of God, even though it's in abbreviated form, but I'm not going to, like, confront them over this, right? I, I mean, I, you might. I, I'm, that's not the biggest deal in my, in my book, right? So, I... 
But even God's attribute of goodness, right? And see, that's what I'm saying. You see how far you can take this, right? And if you don't have levels of heinousness, we, you're just, you end up not speaking anything. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, and that's not where I think we are. I'm just saying that you have to, the, the catechism is extremely helpful in broadening this. But don't, think about your, don't forget your heart. Don't forget what's going on here. Don't forget we're using language. It's not always perfect, and we use it in different ways. I just think if you get too micromanaging, it's, it's going to be detrimental, and you're going to think God is not good anymore because all he's doing is nitpicking every little thing that goes on in your life. I don't want you to get to that point. All right, Christian.